0: Hey everyone, we are lucky enough to have as a sponsor Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Just use it, just go get it, for a free trial and 20% off, Uh, that's, you know, the trial's free, 20% off is off of when you finally sign up, which you will, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code WRITERS9, the letter, the number nine not a letter. It's a number. Um, someday I'll learn this stuff. To be a writer, you don't need to know the difference between letters and numbers. Anyway, Squarespace starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Once again, it's squarespace.com and use the offer code WRITERS9. Squarespace has over 20 highly customizable templates for you to choose from, um, and they're super great. They're really easy. I use mine on the website. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look great on every device every time, because who uses computers anymore? Um, this is actually a kind of a key thing, and it's what Squarespace is pretty great for, that you can that it looks as good on your phone and iPad as it does on the computer. and this is something that restaurants could learn a lot about. You ever go to a restaurant uh, website on your iPad? Yeah, it's not that great. Uh, they should use Squarespace. It's incredibly easy to use. Uh, But if you want help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Start with a trial with no credit card required and start building your website. Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. Uh, Once again, for the free trial and 20% off, go to squarespace.com, use the offer code WRITERS9, and we thank Squarespace for their support. Now, please enjoy this really fun uh, podcast that is from ATX, the Austin Television Festival. Uh, it's Structure of a Sitcom and the Rise of the Anti-Sitcom, and it's got some great folks on it. They'll be introduced uh, in by moderator Emily Moss Wilson, uh, who does a great job here. Uh, if you don't have your uh, tickets for next year's ATX Fest, get on board. It's in early June. Go to atxfestival.com. And uh, get your badges. I've already heard about some of the stuff that they are planning, and it's going to be really cool. So go check it out. As ever, if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps us, and it helps 826LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. Thanks so much. Enjoy.
1: Now entering nerdist.com.
2: It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. Uh, You are in the structure of a sitcom and the rise of the anti-sitcom panel. Um, and before we get started, just want to introduce our esteemed panelists, so you can read their names here, but, uh, right here we've got Mr. Dan Harmon.
3: Oh, thank you. I brought laundry, is it okay? Yeah,
2: that's great, I'll do that later. And to his right, we've got Mr. Tim Doyle, to his left, excuse me, going left. Then we've got Mr. Dave Finkel. Dan's twin brother, Mr. Rob Schraub. And bringing up the rear, Mr. Paul Scheer. Alright, so we're just going to talk a little bit about the sitcom and uh, how that has sort of changed over time or how it stayed the same. New formats of comedy, things that you guys are working <laughs> yeah. on. And just uh, words of wisdom for these fine folks. The first question I have is just with any art form, and, and as writers and and uh, being an artist, things have to influence you. So, what sitcoms did you watch? What sitcoms did you love? What things inspired you when you were just an audience member? Uh,
3: I'll, I'll I'll start with the one that probably a lot of people say I've noticed in interviews and stuff, which is Cheers. Uh, people of my generation, anyway, kind of grew up on it. And, uh, uh, it, it was uh, yeah, the characters were just really well crafted, and I remember one of my like most formative things, like like in terms of like how I perceive a, a sitcom and my job making one. It was at a Toys R Us when I was a kid. I saw the Cheers board game, and I thought it was so striking. Like it was, I was reading the box, I was like, "How do you make a board game out of a TV show?" And it said, "You can be Cliff and get told off by Carla," and uh, like, and I was like, "Really?" And then I thought I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess those characters are so like real." You know, yeah, like, 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 like they're, they're like the Muppets or the Peanuts, or like, like, but, but they're human beings and they're so defined. Yeah, why, why am I talking about this when the answer to the question is cheers?
2: <laughs> because you're here to pontificate on the things of the sitcom, and you did quite beautifully. Thank you. Uh, Tim, what about you?
4: Um, well, you know, uh, the the old Dick Van Dyke show yeah. meant a lot to me, yeah. just because it was the first time I became aware that there was such a thing as this job. You know, I mean, with Buddy and Sally and, and Rob in the writing room, and they would, you know, crack each other up and stuff. It just looked like, a, it looked like an incredibly great gig. And, uh, and so I, immediately that sort of planted the seed. But I'm not sure it's sort of been a big influence in terms of what I've done, but it certainly it created the idea that it, I could do it.
2: That was, that's actually an interesting point. That was one of the early, like, inside Hollywood shows, even though when you think about Dick Van Dyke, you think Rob and Laura and, like, the family element, but that's cool. What about you?
5: Uh, probably two. Uh, all in the Family by, by like, a landslide. And then uh, Larry Sanders probably would be a close second. Just, uh, I keep going back to them, just this documents of how to do it, like, precisely well. Um, when you say
2: that, was there something that you remember specifically watching it of just, was it a feeling or just the rhythm of it, the characters like Dan said?
5: Yeah, I mean, all those like, um, things. It was, it was, like, the first show that I, like, I was cognizant of it was, like, that brutally honest. and could turn, like... From a, a, an unbelievably like hilarious moment to like the most heartbreaking moment within like seconds, it was it was a pretty amazing thing to see. But, yeah, definitely that.
6: Uh, can I? Have, thank you. <laughs> um, well, I mean, uh, like another Sam Simon, like ta- Taxi is amazing. Yeah. I mean, like you get like you know, Andy Coughman and Christopher Lloyd, and just and have all these uh, Danny DeVito shake them up in in a box, and you just have like story, 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 story. You know, of course, like The Simpsons is is amazing. You know, it's been going on forever, and and uh, uh, I had one more, but I forgot it. Paul, <laughs> I, I feel like my tastes were not super defined. I watched tons
7: of sitcoms growing up, but like to me it was like different strokes. The Cosby Show, uh, that show where the rich the rich kid was on the he had them train them through the house. Silver spoons. Silver spoons. You know, like what is your problem? <laughs> Like those are the ones that I loved, and I I remember watching a lot of the Gary Shanling show uh, on Showtime. The first one, yeah, it's the Gary Shanling. But I think that different strokes kind of really defined it because at one minute you're laughing, and then another minute a child is being raped. (laughs) Uh, And not many shows can pull that off. That's that's actually the slogan for this festival, (laughs)
1: isn't
7: (laughs) it? Yeah, Gordon Jump. I actually knew his daughter, Gordon Jump's daughter, and he said after. After her dad did that part, he could never work again because that show was so you big I that Never rape a child again. Everyone in, they, they just, were like, you're they the were very rapist. wary of him. Yeah, you're the rapey.
3: <laughs> Speaking of which, WKRP, uh,
7: amazing. Oh, yeah, played, uh, like, totally. like, It was a great. Oh, sitcom. Mork and Mindy, that was a show uh, I watched religiously when I was a kid. I love Mork and Mindy.
2: Was it specifically because of Robin and sort of that new I character? I don't
7: know who he was. I just like, I like this guy who sits on his head and he has. <laughs> and, and Drinks he has with his and, finger, man. Yeah.
6: And he's people
7: i love that guy orson is yeah I love
3: that was it Mark, did you, did you emulate him did you act like Mark when you were a kid like oh. like to be funny yeah, yeah that was that was my first comedy that that was my first definition of what me being funny that's what i thought it was like you just imitate things yeah and i was just run around
7: and going, yeah oh, hey, oh <laughs> hey. i remember i had like a uh, robin Williams toy where you pull his chest and he would do it oh hey
5: oh right. excavating my parents house like getting rid of a bunch of old crap and i found those. Suspenders with all the all the the the, the, the suspenders with all the buttons on. Look, you work at at Fridays or whatever.
2: It's it's well, you guys actually threw all that. Touched on some of the questions that are I have coming up, but you actually, I mean, I yeah, I wrote some stuff down. um, But but you actually, my next literally, my next question was, when did you first know you were funny? In Air quotes. I mean, like, what was that moment for you where you thought like maybe i have a knack for this and it, it, Five minutes
1: ago. right uh, it maybe it maybe it wasn't
2: writing i mean maybe i mean a lot of you you know paul specifically you know you guys have done a lot of improv and sketch and been performers just as much as been writer do you remember a moment
3: i, I used to i remember i have my mom showed me photos of me i used to uh, i used to i loved johnny carson before and i, I before letterman uh, arrived on the scene so i because I, 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 I knew he was a guy he made my parents laugh, and, and I never understood any of his jokes, but I would just repeat them, and it would make it would make the living room laugh. I don't think I was funny. I think the, the 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 company that would come over was just drunk, and it was the '70s, and they just the kid kid was talking was like if a monkey rode a tricycle. is like is the monkey talented or is it just weird looking? And I it, was like, oh yeah, oh nah. uh, uh, The uh, but I would to emulate Johnny Carson, I would do. uh... Uh, like for holidays, you know how kids make make their parents gifts before they have a salary. You, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the, the, I, 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 I would put on like uh, these holiday shows, like like a, a like a, de- like a talk shows. So, like I would have a desk and I would say like the Mother's Day show, and I would I would I had a thermos thermos lid cup and a pencil. I was like kind of I was just like, like 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 doing these imitations of these grown ups on TV. I, tiny
5: like, Rupert Pupkin. <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, and yeah, I would. I do magic tricks, too.
7: Oh. I did. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do, Doyle? Tim. I did magic,
5: too. I, I did magic. Did everyone here do magic? I did yeah, yeah I did right, magic. of course, yeah. 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 Do you guys, who, the, the, the people who want to be writers, do you do magic, too? I think there is a weird
4: connection there.
7: I'm not sure, but a lot of people I know... I think there's magic. something cool about magic in the sense that, like... No, there's,
5: there's not, little, first of all. Yeah, little, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. cut my you mom. off there. Yeah. <laughs>
7: Thinking, watch it. <laughs> uh, but don't you think like well, I, I still like if I've seen it like I just saw this great show in L.A. called Nothing to Hide, oh, yeah. and it was really great, like good, like not like. People like, haha, like it's that good. kind of magic. The guys you know? with the cards,
4: the you guys with the cards yeah, the team, in the wall. Yeah, yeah I saw that shit too. Amazing. Yeah, see, guys. Yeah, yeah, it
7: yeah no, cool. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> not all magic.
3: Magic <laughs> magic, and writing probably overlap in early childhood because in order to be a writer or a magician, you have to h- hate people, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: you, 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 you want to control them, deceive them, make them miserable. Uh, uh,
7: your make them think that you're powerful over them in every way.
4: <laughs> no, I figured out at 13 I wasn't going to have sex anytime soon, so I wanted to make sure of it. <laughs> I just you wanted uh, to be the best. Addict. Yeah, I just wanted to like have. That- have an excuse, have a front for it. No, it's because of the cards. It's, it has nothing to do with me. It's because of the, it's, it's the cards. It's the cards. It's, otherwise, I'd be I'd be getting more tail than Sinatra. Come on, it's, it's like being a monk. You have to give up women to. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. That's the only reason. But uh, but you know, as far as like being funny or, or something, I, I always think of it in terms of just I always loved things that were funny, and I always wanted to be a part of that, and it's kind of just feels the same way now as it did then, you know, I mean I, 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 yeah, I, I write comedy TV shows and stuff, but I, I find myself just sitting in awe of the people around me who are so much funnier than I am, and they're just amazing, and, I, and you know and, and even when I'm running a show, if somebody comes up with something super funny, part of me is like, oh good, we're great, that's, we're saved we came up with a good idea here, and part of me is like, fuck that guy
2: <laughs> <laughs> the magic, but do you
6: remember a moment where you were like, oh? I, I, re- I used to do Bill Cosby's act for show and tell, like back in eighth grade. Like, that was like one time. Like, I was known as the funny kid in, in Mayville, Wisconsin back in 1973. Uh, I would do Bill Cosby's act, and I remember, like, just killing. Just killing, just like bam, bam. Every show and tell, just bam, sold out. Bam, there's another one. Bam, bam. And then, uh, and then, and then, and then the next year, Mike Caves moved to town, and he became the funny kid. I remember Faith Drawbaugh turning around and going, "Mike's the funniest now." <laughs> And just, killed, and that just ruined my stand-up career <laughs> of grade school, so. But I
2: think, I've, seen, I've been around a lot of kids. That I you think, saw my work. I saw it. You were there. I was
6: there. Oh, my God.
2: I've been around a lot of kids that surprisingly have amazing timing. At a very young age and I'm I'm guessing just like you said, it would it's just a thing you sometimes you just absorb by
6: Do you ever testing. see that, that Jimmy Kimmel thing like we, we ate all your Halloween candy? Oh, yeah, that one kid, <laughs> you know, he's just like, Ma, that's two bags. Two bags <laughs> of candy.
4: That kid is a genius. He's already give him a show. He's a great man. Yeah, yeah. But kids do learn that from imitating TV yeah. shows. I mean, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and I've watched her go through the stages where she's played. You know, basically, she plays characters. She's on the Nickelodeon and the Disney Channel sitcoms. You know, I mean, and she'll she'll just give it back to you, like, talk to the hand and all this kind of shit, you know, and I was like, you know, I mean, and it's like, okay, you know, you're not the sassy character on the Nickelodeon show, calm down. But it's funny,
7: because, like, I feel like when I was a kid, too, like, and I performed for dance parents, uh, (laughs) but but when I was a kid doing, like, the shows uh, for for my folks, I was copying jokes, I didn't even know what they meant. I remember I had this one David Letterman joke, it was like, I was... Driving past a garbage truck and it says no following the garbage truck. Isn't that a sign of a meddling bureaucracy? And I thought, like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds really <laughs> funny. And I would just, like, say that. I was very excited about these, like, like this meddling bureaucracy. I had
3: this, this, there was this comedian on Carson who had this thing. It was like, why do people say fine? Literally, how are you? Fine. Well, you people aren't fine. Spaghetti's fine. And I, and I would just repeat that. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I, but the people at my dad's work, with their bell bottoms and their mustaches, they all looked like porn stars. They, 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 it, was, it was the '70s.
4: And like, this guy's amazing. I used to do this Dick Gregory joke that I saw on the, on the Ed Sullivan Show. <laughs> Dick Gregory I, killed I, with his eyes closed. I literally, I had no idea what it meant. He said he bought a house in the suburbs. He had out there mowing the lawn. I a guy comes by and says, hey, what do you get for what do you get for mowing the lawn? And he turns to the guy and says, uh, I get to sleep with the lady inside. <laughs> now, I didn't know what sleep with meant. <laughs> and I just thought it was like, oh, that's kind of funny that in payment for the yard work, he gets in bed and holds a nice lady. You know? <laughs> Also, Dick Gray is a black comic, so it had a whole different context too. <laughs> but uh, I, anyway, but I thought that was a great joke, and I and I used to do it at any occasion.
2: Well, the fact that you guys all have these memories and they're so vivid, and you can literally repeat the joke, you know, it, it, it goes to say that this is something that is built in you, or, or you were drawn to at a very very young age. Or I'm not
4: funny enough to come up with my own joke, so I to catalog other go. people's jokes. <laughs> right, all and used them, them over and, <laughs> and over again. That will be in an episode of Last Man Standing. That joke. <laughs>
2: touch on something that you guys both said in the first answer about just the 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 turning on a dime sometimes of the laugh to cry ratio and just that balance and maintaining that balance of because most sitcoms have a tremendous amount of heart and have really poignant moments and then also can have you just gut butts laughing so it's just like how do you guys when you're writing it structure it in a way to where you're keeping that through line and that balance per episode, but you're also doing that through the season as well.
3: Well, I, I find that it comes from the same place anyway, so I, I kind of like uh, 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 we always go story first and all stories are about life and death and loneliness and all that stuff That the, the, the distinction between laughing and crying is, all, is so cosmetic in the end uh, I remember like uh, Joseph Campbell referring to,
5: oh, there he goes uh, <laughs> referring
3: to uh, the game of peekaboo as the first joke you're ever told, the first time you experience comedy uh, and he was talking about the difference between tragedy and comedy, uh, uh, but like the game of peekaboo, which which all cultures play, um, uh, the, the the mom covers her face, and the, the, the babies have an instinctive reaction to the absence of the mom's face, even even when she's just standing there. If she if she could lift a towel up over her, her face, and the baby kind of starts to cry because babies actually instinctively they cry if the mom goes away to keep the mom there. And, and peekaboo is the mom getting meta about
1: <laughs>
3: this instinct and going like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm gone, but I'm not really gone. It's like Brechtian experiment and mom being gone. And, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and Chamball describes the, that, that first time that a baby laughs as a cry interrupted by a spasm of joy <laughs> so you go oh
4: she's gone <laughs>
1: you know and
3: that's what you do on a roller coaster you go I'm gonna die <laughs> I'm not dead and that's what tragedy turns to comedy with the addition of the of that happy ending you know it's like oh the dog and turner and hooch died hey there's puppies though go home <laughs> So 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 I mean if you if you write a story that's a real story you know it, it, it's just like like and, and that goes for characters
7: too. But it's don't like, you agree that like I feel like back when I was growing up like there was much more of an emphasis on like sitcoms could get really dramatic like and they they don't seem to cross over as much anymore. I mean the very special episodes and stuff like that. But
6: there were just it's, things got heavier even like when yeah, Mark and Mindy had like a special episode where it's just like oh my god Mark teeth.
3: I uh, 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 remember when Mark met Robin Williams yes.
6: what? I don't remember that
3: as a, as a split screen if you want to experience discomfort if, if you want to watch a television show and not know where to put your eyes Watch the episode of *Mork and Mindy* where Mork meets Robin Williams. Written, I believe, by Robin Williams, of course, in which Mork of Mork talks to Robin Williams for twenty minutes about. Could you
7: see the about, on
3: the lens? <laughs> <laughs> it was which Mork asking because you know Mork's job was to learn about Earth, uh, and so Mork wants to know from Robin Williams how what what it's like to be so funny. Oh, and, 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 the, and the answer is it's really hard.
6: Yeah,
3: it's no, really no, difficult, no. And, and they go back
6: and forth. No. And, and so Orson is like, thank you guys. And Andy to Orson, he starts going off on a rip on Freddie Prince Jr. Like how you know you people are responsible for this poor man
4: blowing his brains. out. No, just Freddie Prinze, yeah, Prince. Freddie Prince, 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 Prince Jr. Didn't blow his brains out. <laughs> not yet. No, Don't anybody get upset. <laughs> so it's fine. That one's probably. Get. <laughs> yeah. Now Sarah and Freddie are doing great. Uh, Summer Scooby-Doo, Catch Two will three,
7: be coming yeah. out. Don't worry about it. Scooby Doo
2: Three not- But you know. What, why do you think I
4: don't well, know what, I, what's I have an answer for that I mean I, I, I mean, in terms of the dramatic stuff yeah. I, you know I think this it's part of the corporatization of, of what we do I mean yes. I've been doing this a long a long time I've been doing this 23 years and even in that you know, period of time you know we, have, we used to have independent production companies and there was there was a lot there were a lot more entities involved uh, you know uh, there was a lot more diverse uh, you know groups contributing creatively now it's basically we're all owned by one of the big five and I mean, I know again and again. I will frame stories that have serious content in them, and uh, and my corporate overlords uh, squirm. They are very, very unhappy when I do that, and they would just rather I would make with the yuck yuck.
5: We we get away with it, uh, you know. The first season of New Girl, we did a we did a cancer scare episode, and they were terrified. I mean, they shit up.
7: But then they move they moved it because my wife it. was in that episode. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They moved it because they were nervous. So I kept moving it down the line
5: because they were fucking terrified, and it's got really funny stuff in it, like, yeah. we, we made sure we tried, you want to try and still be funny, and, uh, uh, they were terrified, they do get terrified, now they've been calmed down quite a bit. Right, and if you want to hear a hit
4: I mean, I was on the Roseanne show where we could do anything, you know, because because we had a, you know, a 500, well, about 450 pound gorilla there Um it's a, it's a, He can do that joke, because I worked for her for two years and she fired me <laughs> I have for Roseanne. She's a
7: terrible person. Are you? Are you <laughs> not a secret? Tim, do you, I, I've heard this rumor story about Roseanne. Have you heard this story? It's going to be a derailer. Well, this one story, like I guess, like Roseanne populated the writers' room at one point with like all of like her friends spies. And, well, maybe, but they were writers, right? They were okay. The famous Who Jackie? Yeah, this the who Jack Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can you yeah. tell it better than me? I've heard I've heard I was there. Think. You were there for this story. This is my this is like my favorite story of all time.
4: <laughs> he's a very sweet guy and I hate to make fun of him he's a a, a comic an older comic who was a crony of of Roseanne's and Tom's also at one time I guess and uh, yeah he'd been on the show for about six months at that point and we and he happened to be in the big room you know we broke into because there were 23 people on that writing staff when I was there it was a huge range. Of, and we, yeah, well, you could just finish in a week. Everyone go home, write one draft, come <laughs> Well, they could have, but 11 of them were real writers. Yeah, well, the rest of them were sort of friends of Roseanne and stuff. And sometimes those people actually, like, you know, ascended and, and ended up being really great writers. But uh, but anyway, yes, this fellow had been there for quite a while. And we were sitting there talking about a story. And it's like, so this happens and that happens. And then maybe Jackie comes in and, we, and talks to, you know, to to uh, Dan. And, uh, and it's like, uh-huh, uh uh-huh. uh oh, What who, Jackie? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we all kind of stopped. <laughs> he'd been there for a while, he didn't know that, that you know, that, that, there was, that there was a character named Jackie in the show. <laughs> <laughs> She's
7: the main character on the show. The writer
4: on the show Now we all here with the main
7: signed. character. <laughs>
4: yeah, but,
7: you know, he's Then did he also pitch that she dies? That's all I've also heard it. There was
4: this whole thing. I mean, my friend said youngers can do it better than me, but... Because, like, what if... Yeah, no, he had this whole thing about... I mean, I think he'd just been smoking a lot of weed because it was a... It was a, you know, he had a whole pitch about Jackie turning into a fairy and fly around the room and, and, and giving people <laughs> wishes. The
5: version that has come down through the ages now yes. is, yeah. is way more
4: minstrel-y than... Yeah, it's the... way... Yeah. yeah, well, again, I mean, I... I I feel very uncomfortable <laughs> picking on this guy, but well, he's a very his a, name. We don't have a he's name. A legend.
2: I have a question, kind of centered around that. I mean, how do your shows change, or are they are are they influenced, on set by these heavyweight comedians? I mean, you've worked with Chevy, you've, you know, you worked with Roseanne.
3: I worked near Chevy.
2: Yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> great guest stars on your shows, not even a series regular, that how much do they influence the story, how much do they pitch, how much do they improvise? I,
7: I will tell you that, I mean, with, uh, with NTSF in the League, we're very lucky to get, like, some really big names, like from Jeff Goldblum and Ray Liotta and all these other people, even Robert Forrester, who, I was like, Robert is not going to understand anything about this show. <laughs> and not only was he amazing, but just totally got, like, everybody that I feel comes, or at least my experience has been, everyone who's come in to do, like, guest spots they like want to do it and they kind of defer to you and they're excited to be there for the, I would say, the most part. I would say that people that are difficult are the ones that you least expect it from. Like, people that you're like, this person has like two lines is coming over for a lot of questions (laughs) about, when I say Diet Coke, do you want me to say diet Coke? (laughs) I just say it normal. All right, butchered my happy off? Just say no, it'll be fine. Like, like, it's, like, 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 it's like it's odd like that, but I mean, I, like, oh, the bigger the people, the nicer they are. I, 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 then, not always. No, I mean, not in the eye. There's, there, there's some giant exceptions over
2: here. For, for Rob and Dan and Paul, specifically just because you guys have worked a lot in the web and the alternative anti-sitcom format, specifically too with NTSF, which is not a 20 Two epi- or 22 minute episode do you find it's more difficult to keep that balance of what we were talking about earlier of heart and comedy in a shorter blurb or do you feel like you can still tell a full moment uh, or
7: not to get too high on my, uh, our my horse here but it's like with NTSF, it's 11 minutes and the first season we were very much parody based right like, oh, we we'll do parody 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 and I think that we were like all right well we've we're done with that. Like, it just seemed like we had done as many jokes on genre as we could possibly do. And so in the second season, we really kind of invested in our characters. And in the third season, same way. And I think that that's, for me anyway, what I really, like, I, I found so much more in that. Like, like, once the audience kind of gets behind the characters, you can kind of, I mean, I'm not, I don't think we're going for crime moments uh, at all. But, uh, but, uh, but I think like, when you have a good connection to a character, you're, you, you can get immediately sucked in. I don't know if I answered that question the right way, but...
3: I think I think, uh, I think to, ex- to expand on that if you do have that connection to a character then then five minutes is you know it's a long time like like and speak talking about channel 101s time limit uh, and, and and now the the evolved kind of uh, we're heading towards that level of attention span because it's what the market will bear yeah you, know, you can tell a story you can you can you can have that story be half dark half half uh, light 75 um, percent uh, funny 25 percent sad you, you can do that in any amount of time I mean a 12 second a second story about a, a guy that gets hungry, eats a sandwich, poops it out. I mean, you can choose a tone for that story. It can feel anti poop can feel it can feel, uh, it can feel cynical, it can feel delightful and uh, that's really just up to the mood you're in when you when you write the words fade in on a guy taking a poop after eating a sandwich.
1: Well, a flashback episode? Well, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I I am always the guy that does that crazy thing where it's like you fade in on him pooping and then and then and then he's going ah and then and then it goes black and it says 3 minutes earlier.
6: <laughs> and he's eating a sandwich. Yeah. Well we we like, we would it depends on the characters I think. Like uh the Sarah Silverman program. We didn't I remember we did an episode where uh Sarah's dog was going to die. You know, like there was like it was and we tried to experiment with the idea of, like, actually doing a heartbreaking episode. And it, when we were shooting it, it was kind of not working it because it was kind of almost real, because the dog is pretty old. Like, it might die while we're shooting this for real. And it just kind of compromised, like, Sarah's character a little bit. So we pulled way back on it. But then on the third season, with Stephen and Brian, where they tried to have a kid and end up making a, a robot baby, um, you know, come on, you know, on. America, America Watched. We did one of those and uh, and it actually it actually was a pretty pretty heartbreaking episode because those characters are so defined by each other and they experience and you're not you don't want to see them go through that so when they did experience loss it was actually pretty tear-jerking so and was that was fun that was kind of cool well i think too if you play like
7: playing things straight like i, I mean i did this show burning love and burning love like and it's, uh... <laughs> Uh, but uh, but on that like my character gets kicked out and just playing it real and in the moment like when we did this whole screening like people were like, it was like oh like I was like I did not expect an audience to react like get that emotionally invested And I think like the one thing I keep on seeing more and more and I think when people think like they're playing comedy it's like hey everybody let's do this you know and I think like the more if you can play it real. You can kind of skirt that yeah, if line. If people can even.
3: boo a professional wrestler yeah. when he comes into the ring, yeah. they can cry during a sitcom. Yeah. You yeah. Know? They, can, they can cry yeah. during a spoof of a reality show. I think it, what's really important is the, also the personality of the creative because your job is actually to just... Like, I, 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 I'm on a tear now. And you can hear me stammering and, 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 and my hand's going like this. And I'm everybody just, get back. Uh, I'm just going to waste your time. Uh, but the, you, know, you remember what happened after Seinfeld? Because Larry David was so good at, at 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 not giving a crap about the sentimental stuff, but he's not a cynical, mean, nasty, hateful person. He's just he's just funny, like like in his way. And the thing is, it was so successful. This kind of Anti special episode thing it was like screw the hugs, screw the thing. He was good at it. He made us uh, laugh so hard and made so much money for people. But then there was this rash of like sitcoms. I was like, everybody's got to be so jaded and cynical. Everything. But what if you're not? What if what if what if you're an adorable person who gets twenty percent of your laugh? By people I'm feeling, here,
6: I'm right here.
2: Me, people people feeling like sorry for characters that are super defined. I mean, those characters on Seinfeld. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, what I'm hearing. I agree with Dan.
4: I think yeah. Seinfeld let us off a cliff for a while there. I mean, you know, what Larry yeah, David people did People trying was great. to imitate Larry and, David and, and being bad and, Yeah, but I mean, it's also just, it became, you know, it became kind of, we all had to be super cool and, and not tell the story that kind of went to the heart. Of
3: all that. the titles were like, Sh- shoot yourself in the face. Uh, I could give two shits.
4: Go uh, fuck yourself, Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. And and then and, and Sandfield did it great, you know, and let's just let's let him do that. But, but that's what's going
7: on with like modern family right now, too. Everyone's like, well, that's the only thing that works is family.
5: And, and now family. it's all
3: mush and no jokes. Yeah. Like, those people are doing a bad imitation. Worship for
5: 20th with modern family on the table right now is. Look, God love them if they're watching this or they're listening. Or if you're in the audience, I'm sorry, I love you. Fuck, it sucks. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, it's a great show and it does its thing. But like every time we get another call, we're like. Chris,
7: they, they started shooting at eleven o'clock and they were done by like eleven thirty and they, they By the way I did that show it was amazing. It was amazing. It's, it's intense. I, I was I out the door so by like quick. four in the afternoon. Yeah, I, I got on set at eight o'clock. I was in my car driving home at nine thirty. That's makeup wardrobe shooting and leaving. Like I would never experiencing anything like Never go home.
5: Ever. <laughs> I have three kids, I never go home. So, yeah, somehow they're fucking up the rest of us.
2: Well, Tim, for, for Last Man, I wanted to talk really quickly about that, because we've been talking about all these, like, anti sitcoms and whatever, and that's, you know, that was a, a very big sort of, when it came out that, that Tim Allen was returning, and it was going to be more of a traditional, whatever that sure. means. What does that mean to you as, as one of the, you know, showrunners? And also, was there a lot of pressure when that was coming back on the air of it has to be a certain way or... Call back to what? Well, I wasn't
4: there the first year. I was doing something else, and then they had a lot of problems in the first year, and so I came in in the second year to take over. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, they, I mean, the problems really had had very little to do with content. It was just sort of personalities and stuff. So, you know, they struggled, and... Uh, uh, you know, it is a very traditional sitcom, certainly there's a, there's a front door and a kitchen and a, and a sofa and, and all this stuff. And, you know, and I always bristle at that kind of stuff a little bit. I, might, I mean, I've been doing this long enough that I'm kind of bored telling the same stories over and over again. So I met with Tim Allen, and he looked me up on IMDb, and, and on IMDb there's a picture of me standing in front of the White House with a sign that says Liar. And
1: uh, <laughs> uh,
4: and, he, um, and he said, yeah, no, I agree, Obama's a big liar, I mean, that guy's just, you know, he's just, uh, and I said, no, no, I said, Tim, Tim, that's a very old picture. <laughs> 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 and, and we immediately started talking about politics, and he, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's a, a very nice man in a lot of ways, but he has some rather conservative views, and I'm, you know, a huge crazy lefty and 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 I found it really engaging. So that was my one innovation was he wanted to talk about politics on the show. He wanted to get in his shots about you know Benghazi and stuff.
7: But then how do you fall because you're being very lefty like in that meeting like I think I would fold and be like, yeah, yeah, Obama's bad dude.
4: Believe me, it's hilarious to see the room with all his managers Stuff yeah. where you're having that conversation and they're all like yeah yeah my god that's really I gotta look into that more and I'm sitting there like that's crazy you guys are nuts no I mean I'm, I'm very you know I, I, I'm see, I'm rich as Croesus and I don't need this job and uh, <laughs> he's a it's a, it's, it's uh, ancient literature and uh, and and I I feel very you know self-possessed to say to him no that's nuts you know that's crazy and I argue with him and so we work some of that into the show and that, may, and that keeps it interesting for me. And, you know, and there's been you know, some people, a lot of people say, oh, the tone's wrong, and you're doing it badly, and how dare a sitcom address real world issues. You guys are supposed to be, you know, you guys are supposed to be clowning enough and acting like chimps. And I'm like, no, let, let the, you know, so I brought in characters who disagree with him. And I found that as long as Mr. Allen gets to say two or three things that he really feels strongly about, he will let me frame the story so that he comes off kind of wrong. And he'll let me frame, and he'll let me have other people around him disagree. And so, I'm, I, I mean, I don't know how successfully we're doing that, but we're going to do another season that way, and we'll see how that plays.
7: What is, what is the difference? Like, have, you, have you ever worked in the single cam? Like, have you done, like, yeah. so like, what's the difference for you when you're a In project? fact, I've
4: literally done 50-50. I've done 16 shows. Eight of them are single cam, eight of them are multi-cam. So
7: then what, like, when you're, do you have a preference, or what is it like working in both well, of those worlds?
4: Well, a single cam gets more respect. It gets more critical respect. It gets more community respect. You know, multicam is always going to be viewed, and especially if you're doing a multicam show with a '90s TV icon, it just—it—it—it it, it, it can't help but feel like a throwback, right. you know. So you have to kind of put that on hold. You have to kind of say, "Okay, my friends aren't going to watch my show,"
1: <laughs> you know, and I'm
4: not going to get any good notices, you know. But you know, I mean, and, I, and, I, and to me, it's always sort of silly. I worked on a show called Better uh, Off Ted. Uh, <laughs> Right, they did that show, and, 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 and another show, uh, Annie Richter Controls Universe, which were very similar sort of satirics in the camera shows. And the same group, the same group of writers, we did a show in between there called uh, The Troubled Normal, which was a multi-camera show. And for all the praise we got for those two shows, we got shit on for the stupid, lame, old-fashioned, multi-camera, oh, the audience laugh track, blah, 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 and they just shit on us. Uh, you know. And you just you kind of have to shrug at a certain point and say, they aren't uh, they aren't objectively analyzing what we're doing because we are we are pretty smart and we're doing a pretty good job with this show and, and we weren't we weren't always geniuses with the other show yeah. you know I, so it's you don't get a lot of love but the multi camera the one big advantage of the multi camera is you've got that audience feedback for good and for bad you know because sometimes the audience feedback leads you to get jokier and and, and, and you know and do you know oh michael jackson you know jokes or whatever you know do referenceal yeah. things that are lame you know, but uh, but you know, but you do get to put on a show. You get to you get a Tuesday night taping, and everybody's whooped up, and you know, it's kind of fun.
7: And do you feel like when, because like, I know that I spent, I'm, I'm sure that all of you guys do, like, spend a lot of time in the edit room, and you can really craft like a single cam. You can make jokes out of nothing, out of nothing, and pull it. Like, are you able to do that in multi-cam? Yeah, you can
4: do it multi-cam too. It's it's the same. It's the same process. Dave, I have a
2: question for you, just specifically about. Th- yeah. 30 Rock and New Girl are, you know, very, very different styles of comedy. And I guess this is for everybody can chime in, too. But do you find that that your process changes based on the show that you're on? And have you learned new things going through different shows? And and also United States of Terror, which is a whole
6: different ball of wax. The premiere, uh,
5: you know, adolescent rape show, yes. Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, no, the, the, the process is the same. You know, it is what it is. You, you try and find the story that makes sense and, you know, that actually feels honest to the universe you created and, and break it bustly. I mean, I think we, I and mean, you pepper it with the, the as much drama I and mean, comedy, you, you know, you can modulate it. And when we walked into 30 Rock, we had a bunch of people there. We had, you know, John Regie and Jack Burdett and a bunch of other guys who, who, when we walked in, were like, well, are going to be doing Sanders probably. This is going to be, you know, this type show. And Tina and Rob were very clear from day one that we we don't want to deal with emotion. Like we want to just we want it to be this sort of show. So it it modulates the way you're breaking stories like this much, but you're still. I mean, story is what it is, and you have to, you know, tell tell a a clean story to be able to get your point across. The jokes just fall flat if the story is, I think. Um, So yeah, the same all all around.
2: Speaking of stories, has there been like a moment that we've seen on screen that was majorly pulled from your own personal life that you were really happy with the way that it translated on the screen and are you willing to share what that what that one story was? I, yeah.
3: Uh, I, 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 I I it's it's a minor victory, but I, I, I apparently pronounced the word bagel wrong. <laughs> I, I, I just I don't I, I guess it's because I learned learned the word by seeing it in print. Ba- bagel? <laughs> bagel? I, I did, this conversation, this is what happens on screen. I, I don't I can <laughs> I, I just, I, I learned the word, I still don't understand, it's, it's too, it's, it all seems so ridiculous to me. Like, growing up, I, I guess I understand now that you're supposed to pronounce it like there's a Y in there that's not in there. Not like it's the word bag, like grocery bag, or Bilbo Baggins. Bagel. So I say bagel. Uh, and, and everyone says, bagel, I guess. But I, I still don't understand it. Anyways, I, I was just, uh, I was shy for some kind of, you know, the script felt like it needed something. So I just had this character, Britta, that everyone picks on, uh, kind of, she's, she, and who lived in New York for 10 years. And, and she's always telling people, she's, she says the word bagel like I do. And then everyone goes like, what are you, what, what did you just say? And this, what well, what is you, what are you, a monster? <laughs> uh, and it's 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 you know I didn't I didn't I didn't grind the axe. It was just fun. Whatever. There, there, there. I, 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 a short answer from Dan Harmon.
1: do
4: you I've been talking too much. I'll right,
3: skip.
5: Uh, I just, we had an episode this season. Uh, it was the Menzies episode. where all like the guys think they that <laughs> they're on the same side. So, and uh, at one point, Jake Johnson uh, befriends a silent Asian man. <laughs> <laughs> takes him into this thing called, called Watsu, which it came at, it's a story I pitched on the first day of the first season, and it happened on my honeymoon and we went to like a spa, and I'd run out of like, been through the spa? So there was a thing on the menu that said Watsu, and I'm like, sure, shit, why not? And uh, they're like, well, there's, Charlie's the best at it, so he's gonna take you through it. So I'm like, great, Charlie, bring him in. <laughs> Charlie turned out to be like, just a stone throw from James Gum. From, uh, and it leads me like very far from the base of this camp. This, 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 this you know, play, this, this, whatever you call it, a resort. And it's this jacuzzi way out in this like like clutter family distance. And and he He starts taking out his clothes. He's like, whenever you're ready. And he. Massaged me through the water, like uses the water to massage me. Like I, I, I've never, i never been more rigid, and we didn't exchange a word until afterwards. We're putting our clothes back on, and it was sort of like in, 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 uh, in fame or Coco's sucker thumb. <laughs> and, that
3: was a deep cut,
5: <laughs> and, uh, and and uh, he, the, the silence between us was like deafening, and he finally turned to me and he goes, uh, I had you open up like a mermaid. And I was like, in my mind, i like, mermaids don't open. Like, they're fused, and this is so, like, it, was so and it was like the long walk back, as because I didn't know where the fuck I was. So that's in the episode, and that, all the oddness, all of it, I had to walk him through, like, no, 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 this is how Charlie did. Like, if Charlie's here, I'm sorry, I'm sure you're a great watsu teacher, but that was some fucking weird, weird shit. Anyone else, please. Uh,
6: When when we were doing Sarah Silverman program, like my wife like talks in her sleep, but not only does she talk in her sleep, she laughs in her sleep too. Like, like I'll be sleeping like, and she'll like go, (laughs) and so we did an episode where, where like Laura Silverman and Jay Johnson are sleeping together and Jay would laugh in in his sleep. And then Laura would wake up and could not get back to sleep. And Jay would just be laughing. And then she would like, tell it, like some stupid knock-knock joke. And then Jay would laugh. And then she would get into it. And then at one point she pulled out a desk and a microphone and started doing a talk show and Jay in his sleep was like the audience laughing at everything she did. And it kept getting bigger and bigger throughout the show and like, like we have Billy Kudrup and Billy came in as our guest star and, and he's like laughing at, and he's like really confused. Like, why am I in a bedroom? Why is the audience of one asleep? And then Sarah was a musical guest and sang a song about her dog dying. And it was, it was one of those shows. But uh, it all started with my wife uh, waking me up sleeping. God damn it, Paul. Um, I think when an episode I wrote for the
7: league, we I had this friend, and and uh, and so does Nick Crow. We both know this guy, and he he deemed himself an alcoholic very quickly. But really, what he was is like just 22 years old, and just in living in New York, and we all were alcoholics uh, and made bad life choices. But uh, and and so we always had this theory. Of, you're not an alcoholic you can drink and so we wrote a whole episode about a friend who has gone sober and are trying to convince him not to be sober anymore and like you're not like so the, we got to kind of live vicariously through like this thing that we've thought and talked about behind this guy's back and for a long time. And now he's not an alcohol He's not sober anymore. He went back Yay. to drinking. And, yeah. and he's fine. 30, so, 30 yeah. days drunk the, the next Tuesday.
2: <laughs> On that note, I want to open it up. We have about 15 minutes left. I want to open it up to some questions from the audience.
5: Um... They keep saying they're done with everything. I mean, like every year, it's sort of like, yeah, we're not. We're only doing multicams. They're cheaper, but then they pick up none, or they pick up one. Uh, same thing. It, it just comes in waves, and it's, it's all whim based. Like it doesn't feel like there's any sort of mathematics to it. It just.
4: But the bottom line is that multicamera shows are cheaper to produce, probably uh, by probably by almost a million dollars an episode. I mean, there, there's a huge difference in cost.
5: And the return on the investment.
4: is... Yeah, and, they, and so if you can get a multicam that goes and syndicates, it's a bonanza. And just the sense of
3: control that they have, because it's just a factory. Like, they, right. they know how to make those cool. shows. Also,
4: multicams have run-throughs. Right. You know, I mean, when you're doing a single-camera show, the, they have to let go. The network and the studio have to let go yes. and let you go with it. Whereas the multicam, they show up on, the, on Thursday, the studio shows up on our show on Thursday, and the network shows up on Friday, and they get to give me more notes. Plus, we have a table reading, so I get—you know—they get four bites of the apple. They obviously. get to give notes without
3: even know, knowing how to read. They—they right. could, can could theoretically be illiterate right. and, and, and so, ruin a show. So
4: they definitely prefer that as—they definitely <laughs> prefer that as a business model. But they're also subject to the the you know the the influence of society and society and certainly the critical community favors single camera shows. So they want to be cool, you know, and they want So they want you know. But CBS does almost exclusively uh, multi-camera comedies. And almost exclusively by Chuck Lorre.
5: <laughs> we, we don't, I mean we, we do, we have to, I don't know if you guys all have the same thing, but Fox, for some reason, has a uh, four-act structure which is a nightmare because you realize in the story you need a, a, a center moment, a fulcrum. If if you have to go to commercial
3: on that that midpoint, it's weird because now the (laughs) midpoint has to be an uh oh.
4: Yeah,
5: exactly. (laughs) And then you need another uh oh.
4: Uh, No, in a weird way, it forces you to have bigger events. Lots. I mean, it forces you to have more sort of jerk off moments. It's ridiculous. You know, I mean, and and it does change the, the storytelling because you you have to have more like whoa, you know, things, and then sometimes they're just oh, false alarm. You know, I mean, I never (laughs) done four act, but
3: but it's the same with two act, which which is an adult swim doing a half hour. It's two acts. ABC does three
1: acts. Yeah, so NBC and
3: yeah, that's what's great. NBC is that's the the, the good thing about NBC <laughs> is their three act their three act clock because so you we do a cold open which is I love my cold opens do a, do a title sequence and then and then before your first commercial the the heroes crossing a threshold and it works perfectly for that and it's like you know you, you can say in the pitch of a story then you go to commercial you know like like you you get it and it feels good you use the commercial as part of your story and You come back and then before the second commercial, oh, everything's gone to hell. And then and then and then everyone comes back in the room and says, "Sorry, I shouldn't have yelled like that for the last act." And you, yeah, uh, 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 but, but 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 man, it is it messes with my brain. Working with that that navel in the middle has to has to be your Colgate out.
5: Well, the thing, the other, the other thing that makes it really difficult. This is where it gets great a little technical. Is what, what, what they don't understand is. Budgets are, our budget goes like astronomical every week because you end up having to top what you did at the end of the third act with something bigger the fourth act, which means you have to like think outside the box, which means it's going to be more expensive and there's more pages and there's like <laughs> we're never coming in at the 26 pages they need because of the four act structure like. If we were on three X structure, you could probably shave two pages off immediately, and not having to do that extra turn. The Simpsons
3: has created an art form out of it. I mean, they yeah. use the four act uh, structure; yeah. like they right. they, they don't like... have to build any sets. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <try> it <laughs> yeah. of
5: art.
3: But that, oh. that 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 mm-hmm. sensation you get when you're watching a great Simpsons episode, when you're like yeah. halfway through the episode, and you're like, "Didn't this start with Homer wanting to oh, quit yes. smoking? <laughs> Why are we on the moon?" Uh, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's because partially because of that four acts that big which they got hoisted upon them. Yeah. Uh, and point. it's
5: based on an arcane thing that had to do with I mean it, it, it was something that that came up we talked to one of our current people and they said yeah that started with uh and live in living color and and okay that's been off the air for like most of my adult and life. It was a late night variety show. Exactly. Yeah.
7: Um I know that the one thing I love about Adult Swim is they have an 11 act or it's 11 minutes 22 <laughs> seconds 11 act acts of act. 30 seconds each you never you are always <laughs> topping it uh, we have a <laughs> Um, it's only you only have their 15 minute format is basically 11 minute 22 seconds and you don't have any interruption in it and it's really fun because you can do whatever you want and the audience you know they're not going to tune out most likely because there's no reason to and you just keep them going I know that this year we just took all of our characters and we just did a roadhouse episode we put them all in a bar they all worked in a bar there's fist fights it was they were our characters but it was not anything like anything that has happened before it and we're like we'll see if that will work and I mean and I, hopefully it does I mean but it's fun to be able and Adult swim gives you that total flexibility uh to be like yeah do it
3: I saw yeah. an early cut of that episode <laughs> oh, I <saved>
7: wow. it. <laughs> too, too many Swayze jokes uh, we, our, our, you our, know he our,
3: died and people are sad <laughs> about it right <laughs> and he was a human being with a family well cat. no
7: that's when he used his body <laughs>
2: just, just spinning off of that with all the different requirements for depending on who your boss is or where you're working um what do you what would your advice be to people who want to write comedy want to write sitcoms like should they take their favorite show from different networks and what, what would be
1: your what would Don't be your let any of that
3: influence you just okay. write something really good yeah, my, my, my advice to young writers is always, like, it, whether they're, a lot of people ask me, like, how do you pitch something, and I find that, the, 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 which is a really good question, because that's, that's the nature of the beast, like, how do you, and, and, and a lot of people get it wrong, and I, and I actually feel like it's good advice that I have, unlike the other stuff. Um, the, 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 when, you, when you're pitching a show, and I think this extends to when you're then executing a show, th- this is how you do a good pitch. Remember when you were at that party and, and you asked someone if they had seen Game of Thrones and, because it's your favorite show and they said, no, I've never seen Game of Thrones and you proceeded to tell them why they should watch it? that's a good pitch. That's you pitching a show, that's you selling the show. You're, you're so enthusiastic about it, you know exactly how long to talk about exactly the right elements of the show. When you're, when you're sitting on a couch and there's some, you know, one of these weird monsters that, 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 that buy some shows sitting across from you, just for, forget that they exist, because they don't have to. And I, God told me that. Um, they actually, they're made of kale. Uh, animated kale they don't they're golems they don't have they have they have there's jars of organs in, in, in an underground thing in Malibu that that there was used to animate them so that those that's human tissue but but this is all like seaweed and kale um, spray painted orange with a tie on it know, or maybe and a and uh, a The bagel so when you when you when you're pitching, and I, I know this extends when you're writing, pi- pi- when you're trying to come up with an idea for your show, picture yourself sitting in front of a television. Start with this. Start with this image. Start with the image of your face going, "Holy shit! Oh my God! This is the most amazing show I've ever seen. I'm going to watch every episode of this. I love this show." Now. Flip the camera and reveal what's on the TV. What would make you do that? The answer might be it's a lot like X Files, but they 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 go through a portal and there's a there's a musical guest. I, like like it, can, it 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 could be derivative. You can start with your favorite show. Like that TV is by nature delightfully derivative. Like like we we exchange like these myths about these modern Ulysses and all that. They, 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 I'm talking way too this long. That so. a Jackie moment. You, you,
5: you.
3: <laughs> So, so that's that's that is my advice. And then when you're right, so you always just please yourself. Don't listen to anybody that ever tells you anything like, uh, uh, "Well, this joke's kind of a head scratcher." That's a three percenter. Let's make that a -er." ten percenter. Take a piece of broken glass and slit that person's throat. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, and then,
7: yeah, and then no, do
3: not mean? Uh,
5: But
7: but when you agree, like I feel like the one thing that I've finally learned, like way late, was that you don't have to like take every note because like, they don't even know what they don't even remember the notes that they've given you they just want to give you notes so if you don't you have just, to
3: take any what are they going to do fire you they will have to rehire you later
7: <laughs> you don't have to take any notes
3: call their bluff if we all do it they can't do anything they can't arrest you for not listening to an idiot None of us took any notes ever that they wouldn't be able to replace us with anybody. We could just make television. We would be a union, a class of creatives. We used to rule when we were cavemen. The storytellers ruled the tribe. The dumb people went out and risked their lives. We stayed home and wrote stories about it and got laid. We were the kings. We, We were the cheneys. We were behind the curtain. We had all the power. And look what we've become. They've got us jammed into windowless rooms with this Henry Ford rewrite each other and he's Break a pool cue and half throw it in the middle of the room and as it like the Joker recruiting people. Like we don't have to turn on each other. We don't have to rewrite our shit. You wake up in the morning and say, I refuse to be a hack and see what happens by the I end of the day. I want to get one more
2: question in. I want to get one more
1: question in. Give a
2: round of applause for that.
1: That was awesome. We have time for one more.
5: Don't
7: You'll never be able to do it.
5: We we just we just did one this year that that fucked us senseless. Uh, not like the great senses. Uh, we did we did because we had a deal like because our budgets tend to go over and we had a deal with Ford uh, to you do tons do, with Ford cars, don't you? They're do always Ford driving with Ford. Ford. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> we didn't did, 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 even did. sing their Tauruses.
5: Because here's what happened. They they fucking they said all right if you're gonna do. We're going to give you some. We're going to give you some cash. Maybe we'll do some special episodes somewhere. And then they give you the cash when you
0: pour out
5: your your butthole, and (laughs) and they and they and they and they don't give you that cash. Um, They're like, no, no, it's part of it. When we say we, I mean you get the cash. I mean we, we. Yeah, they the network gets it. You don't get it's fucking
7: the worst. We, but that's the one thing that I found. When We did Human Giant. We did this sketch, like this Doritos sketch and um and like i was like walking around like you don't know the theme song to juicy fruit and i was like yeah i do and i just made up a theme song for it and went all the way to doritos and mtv freaked out like uh, doritos isn't uh, on our network frito lay is and not doritos and we can't air a sketch where you're singing about doritos because the fritos people are going to get mad like that was like that's their big concern is like if we eventually sell to You know, Pepsi, you can't do a Coke joke because they'll get upset that you did a free Coke advertisement. The only person that's ever been cool was Quiznos. They said, we'll give you money, do whatever you want. So can we kill people with with those sandwiches
3: Subway, Subway is awesome too it yeah. should be known I mean they saved Chuck they, they didn't care how how, how I mean they, they'll, they'll, if you let them they'll send a guy to your set there'll be a Subway yeah. guy on your set making sure that the shot is reframed so yeah. the Subway but this, tell them they can't do that we had a character in Subway that want... our show that Britta fingered in the butt <laughs> uh, like literally that was the story and they let us do it and they won because people knew that Subway was cool exactly And, and, the, That's and people don't
7: shows. Get. It's like if it's if it's incorporated in a funny way, not like, yes, I just got this delicious. Oh, if you oh, please Google this. It is Hawaii 5 0 Subway sandwich. They're in the middle of a Hawaii 50 episode, they're like, hey Kona, what's up? He's like, nothing man, I'm just eating this delicious five-inch Subway thing. And I go, Really? He goes, Yeah, I can pick whatever I want. I got onions, I got this, I got that. Like that sounds like a really healthy treat. He goes, It is, bro, it is. I can't eat
6: this all the time. The, the 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 Cheerios like commercial right in the middle of <laughs> so my, crazy. oh man you know uh, Cynthia's
4: uh, cheating on me
6: what are you doing there I'm having some delicious ch-
4: thirty Cheerios. Rock. thirty Rock did that awesome Snapple yeah. thing that was really great yeah. if you want to if you want uh, to uh, I think I think there is ways to do
3: it I I, I, I think and, and I, because the, one of the weirdest things about TV is the opposite effect where everyone's eating bags of chips that say Let's on them yeah. and, and soda that says soda um, and, and but because in real life we refer to copy written things more except, often than you're allowed to. TV except TV.
4: because Seinfeld was so powerful, they could do Kenny Rogers roasters yeah. and and uh, and the Depend Sponge or whatever. Remember that? And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all that. Yeah, stuff.
3: We did a space simulator. We did like a Apollo 13 episode, and we we paid for the spaceship by going to KFC and saying, "Can we say that this 80s spaceship was was sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> when it was built in the 80s?" So it was part of the joke. It was part of the fun, and everybody won. I think I w- KFC I w- was a little bummed out, but we will say
5: that like. Even having done this Ford thing, the Ford people couldn't have been cool. Like they were, they were fine. It's, it's the the whole idea of the thing. Look, that's what we do. We sell
4: shit. I mean, that's that's what this whole do it in between the story. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's also like the
5: the sketchiness on the side of the networks and the studios who are like, they need those those advertisers. We need their dollars, so we don't want to. They give. More notes on that than they give on the on the episode. You spend
4: so much time discussing it; it's just it's life's too short. I mean, yeah. if you say okay, we'll put your fucking chicken nuggets on our show, then you have to have nine chicken nugget meetings. It's yeah, just, yeah. That's it's that's good. the big thing. Is
3: like it's such a pain in the ass. Like doing it right takes so much longer than just not doing it. But I do think that the future, if we're going to monetize it, we're not going to keep making commercials. So it's going to go back to the Milton Burrow kind of like Colgate presents this, and, and I think that's great. I think corporations should just produce well, entertainment.
2: Well, specifically now with so much stuff being watched on the web and. People People being able to skip over or DVR, working it into the shows. People know now. People are fast forward. The future in. is just
3: Nike realizing that they don't need a middleman. They can just—they have billions of dollars, and they can take a tiny fraction of what they used to spend at Madison Avenue and give it to Paul Shear. And, and as long as they don't care what he does, you're welcome. Um, you know, it'll be—it'll be—and <laughs> the, and the thing—the the way that you get it be like Nike presents the fucking Paul Shear Comedy Hour where he has the, sex with a, a dog,
7: which would be great. And I'm working on that script right now. So please don't steal it Um, but I mean but I think that people I think that's the that's the last kind of valley to get through which is people advertisers realizing you don't have to be so deferential to this product for it to like make a lasting impact because you remember like you remember the Snapple thing you remember like the Subway thing you remember like you remember these things because they become part of the fabric of the show not like this thing that like is this weird planter's wart on the side of your show? They're like, what the fuck was that? Like a paper shredder? But that's, okay, like, just, <laughs> you know.
4: <laughs> but it's the corporate mentality to not be cool about stuff. They have to ask a second guess. And it's a their shame. Chance. It's so weird. I they know. protect their own shame. They've gotten so used to over
3: 60 years, they think that advertising is cancer. And they treat it like that. They yeah. try to trick people into consuming it. When, when television began, Jack Benny would be like, "Rochester, uh, uh, you, 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 I, I don't want to leave a tip, but you know what I do want to do? I want to use this mop." And he would just fucking sell it. And it was like, "Well, it was this, you know, this mop like brought you the show." And then you'd be see the mop of the thing. Like, oh, those nice people that made that nice Jack Benny show. Yeah. Yeah. and it all kind of worked. I thought. You
5: know, and also like the landscape has changed, like literally changed in the last six months because of Netflix and and and. Uh... Amazon and some other outlets, Hulu certainly in the, in the near future, that, that the corporate structure of how it's done is probably going to change in a vast way. When you're doing those shows, if you don't have a David Fincher attached to it, you got to get money from somewhere, so you're going to get it from these different, you know, internet, whatever, you're going to get it from somewhere and you're gonna, you're gonna, you have to figure out a way to, to make it work. And it's fine, it's part of, the, part of the deal, and especially if you're doing it as an independent thing. You're going to, I mean, when we did Tara, showtime their 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 budgets are what they are and we had to try and get more money from some places and we made some deals with places and I think there was a way to seamlessly do it like like these guys are talking about that you can sort of make it an artful and entrepreneurial thing but to have it jammed down your throat and there's a great episode of uh, a series of episodes of damages I think season one and 2 uh, where Glenn close is like on a regular basis going like no let's take my car it's a Cadillac <laughs> Such spacious interior. He's like, no. You God, when got the
3: Sopranos seat. went out in the driveway oh, okay. and he's like, look what I got you, babe. And she's like, oh, a foot escalate. It's four horsepower, anti lock brakes.
6: Are,
7: are you fucking kidding me? That is a bummer. On yeah, the league, we have to drink. Bud Light in every episode, but we only have to mention it by name, like, four times a season. So, like, it's, it's so, like, it's so, like, regimented. It's like, when do we say it? Now, you gotta say, kind I have a Bud Light? Okay, yeah, we got it. And, like, and then occasionally, a Pizza Hut pizza will just be We're We're not eating it. We're just, it's sort of like, eh, there it is. It's a sitting, right? And every TV is a direct TV, so the remote has to be out prominently. But we don't have to mention it, which is nice.
2: Yeah. That's all the time we have. Woo-hoo! Thank you guys. Hope you guys had fun.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Now leaving nerdist.com.